0: Dear Shooter. As fall rapidly approaches, there are some things you need to remember, such as no white after Labor Day, no pumpkin spice until October, and lastly, where in the world did I stash my hunting gear? Of course I have. Just checking
1: because I'm like getting <laughs> the
2: stink eye here.
1: Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter for you day if you want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. feel the
1: love. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and great job, too. Oh of the sensibilities of the thing. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WioTac Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. That music must mean it's Thursday morning, and how is everybody doing this week? And uh, Yeah, it's almost Han Solo season for the ladies. The high boots, the vest the sweater.
0: Yeah, wear the short jacket?
2: Yeah, the short jacket, because it's not time for the long jacket yet. No, and that also means that uh, the evenings are starting to cool down, and, and we're starting to think about going hunting.
1: I've already got a room cleared in the house, and my gear's starting to be staged and strung out. I suffer from the Boy Scout affliction. I take too much crap.
2: Well, I mean, always be prepared, but I don't even know where half of my stuff is. Oh, you'll find it. Maybe.
1: It'll wake you up in the middle of the night. You're going to go, where's that 200-feet chunk of rope? Right. I've never used it. I always take it.
2: No, you don't, because I've been hunting with you, and I couldn't believe that you didn't have a chunk of rope, because we ended up having to haul that stupid elk off the side of a stupid mountain with our belts.
1: Well, it was on the top of a mountain, and the truck wasn't.
2: We got the truck there. We got the truck within, like, 75 feet of that thing, and you didn't have enough line. I
1: didn't. (laughs) I, I can't even play, but we had belts and we, we did. slid that cow elk down the hill.
2: We did, and and I will, uh, I will give cross props to crossbreed on that one because I I, I my crossbreed belt. I did too through the, through the hawk and and we drugged that thing down the mountain. Now it didn't have a lot of hair left on it when we got to the bottom.
1: Only on one side. <laughs> Saves time. Right. No, actually, it added a whole bunch of time. It did.
2: But at least gravity still worked.
1: Yes. And we, we brought the elk home. We put the freezer into the full status.
2: We did. that. Would, was that the one we hung in your garage by, like, two screws? Yes. <laughs> that, was that, gonna, that was the one. That was such a haphazard trip. And that, that was the oldest, grayest cow elk I think I've ever seen.
1: Quite possibly the oldest specimen of a cow elk <laughs> that, uh, I've ever seen myself. <laughs>
0: She's great in a crock pot for 12 hours. Right. She tasted fine. Chewy.
1: Crockpot, 12 hours. Yeah. Nothing's chewy after a crock pot.
2: So I finished a project today. I finally, I think I've been working on this thing for three years. Um, took an old Winchester Model 70 that I had. Um, it's been my hunting gun for 30 years and I, I finally finished the rebuild on it. So new barrel, new stock, new optics, the works.
1: So the only thing is really the original gun's action and bolt. That's it. All right.
2: Trigger, she, trigger, I think, is still original. I didn't change well, that. Well, that's part of the action. But yeah. I,
1: it, I would say she looks really good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, HS Precision, stock on it, uh, Shaw barrel, fluted. Uh, Lucid Optic on top, of course. The L5.
1: It'll serve you well. I think so. You were saying that you were playing with ballistics here not too long ago, and if your data's right, and it's a best guess, but I'm saying it's probably close, you're on magnification 14. 14. And then the ballistic tree in that reticle does what for you?
2: So, of course, uh, it's zeroed at 100, so, so center is 100, and then it, the... If I just drop the lines, it's 300, 400, 500, 600.
1: But you set the magnification on 14. Mm -hmm. You never touch a turret. Right. Magic of second focal plane. Right.
2: And I think think second focal plane is a way to go for a hunting scope. Um, I don't want to dial.
0: I do, too, especially when I was with Wilson for my elk and having that second focal plane where I'm not dialing, but I know my drop. Because he's sitting there, she's walking, and he's like 400, 510, 620. You have to make those choices. You, you're not dialing. Mm-hmm. You don't have time.
2: No, you don't have time. And and when you make the time, I made this mistake last year on an antelope. I, uh, I set the scope at 650, and then the stupid thing popped up at 2, and I went right over its back.
1: You did that. I watched
2: you do it. So um, dialing is not always... The way to go. Uh, it, you know, one thing about it, and and I I, I know both of you kind of shoot a little bit different calibers. This is my old tried-and-true 30-06. I shoot a 165-grain ballistic tip, and it's dropped everything I've pointed at.
1: The ot 6 is probably the most proven big-game hunting round I can think of.
2: I... I hesitate to think that there's anything in the world that it wouldn't drop.
1: No, there's nothing. I mean, shot placement's going to count on some of the tougher animals, Oh but yeah, yeah. it'll definitely do the job. You're throwing a 215, 225?
2: 165. Oh, you backed it off for speed. Um, it, You know, when I played with it, I, I was originally going to go with 180 grain, and what I found was the 165 stabilized a little bit better. I got a lot tighter group with it.
1: Interesting. All right. So and what's it? they pushing on muzzle velocity on that?
2: About twenty eight hundred. That's fast.
1: for For that heavy of a bullet, that's fast.
2: Oh, it's it's very fast. It's screaming. So the the terminal ballistics on it, it's it's got a lot of impact. So what are you what are you going to be shooting? I know I know Brandy's been she's had that tried and true seven millimeter oh eight for. As long as I've known you.
0: And it'll be with me forever. Not, I'm not going to shoot the barrel out. I usually draw three to four tags, and I shoot five times.
2: I know. you shoot. Yeah, you shoot ten rounds a year out of that thing. Five of them are yeah, Five of them are just to check zero.
0: It doesn't take five to check zero.
2: But you like to get that little tight group and show, of, show off to everybody. She does do that.
1: Not on so,
0: my I, hunting gun. Even at
1: ten rounds a year, lady, you are never going to shoot that out.
2: You're just nope. not. No, your 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 granddaughter may have to replace the barrel.
1: Maybe. I mean, it's just not a high pressure round. Mm-hmm. It's a very effective, very predictable round. It's a forgiving round for recoil. It's an easy round to load. It, it's an all around just a really good North American big game hunting round. I will be taking a. New 6.5 PRC. Okay. Afield. Okay. I got one of the last of the Mark 10s, and uh, so it's a shawl rifle all the way around. Okay. And uh, this one's my gentleman's rifle. It's, you know, grade 5 walnut and all uh-huh. pretty. I'm almost a little afraid to take it afield because I'm an idiot in a klutz. I'm going to scratch it. I'm pretty sure about it.
2: Well, here's the thing. Guns are meant to be shot. They're meant to be used they're meant to go in the field
1: I know but I always cry just a little bit when something this pretty gets that dirty or scratched
2: fair enough but you know I'll tell you what and I that that six five PRC that has impressed me over and over and over um, last year we shot that Shaw and that's what I took that antelope with last year was that six five PRC in the the federal terminal ascent mm-hmm. and that round in that caliber is Devastating.
1: Hey, we took it to South Africa mm-hmm. on a Plains game hunt, and it dropped everything that we pointed it at in one shot.
2: Yeah. No, that that caliber is just absolutely unreal. We we built that one for, for Brandy earlier this year, and she was shooting past 2,000 yards with it.
0: Not a hunting gun.
2: Well, that one's not. It's
0: but, too heavy? <laughs> but, Mine's a hunting
2: gun. <laughs> but the, the, just the, the round itself um it just never ceases to impress me i had a guy uh in the long range class what last week that brought a 65 prc and he was clanging steel at a mile
1: without much of a problem
2: no no it wasn't even hard for him i think he i think his dope on that was about 18 mils
1: that's pretty flat mm-hmm. so what other gear do you
2: take what's essential in your bag you got to have your hunting knife.
0: Yeah, Wilson, this time, take the knives. He Uh. always takes them. They're in the truck. But when we go to the animal, he never has them on him.
1: (laughs) To be fair, I had been working over a bunch of animals for disabled vets the weekend before, and I left them at the fire hall. But, yes, I I normally have a big selection of knives in my truck when I go.
0: Yeah, last year was the pocket knife syndrome. (laughs) We did it. It worked just fine. Hey
1: had to take apart my pocket knife and clean it, though, but it, it worked just fine.
2: You'll have that. No, I always uh, always make sure I've got a good knife in there, uh bone saw.
1: Do you take a sharpener?
2: I do, um, but it's just kind of one of the mini, like the diamond sharpeners. Just
1: a quick dress, kind of the edge mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yep. The just, smaller the better, but it, I always take a sharpener.
2: Yep, just, just kind of a quickie thing, but I always make sure before I leave, my knives are razor sharp, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that happens, you know, of course, when we get back and we're taking care of the animals, too. Yeah. Everything, when, it, when we get done, everything gets dressed and sharpened and put away nice.
1: As they should be. No dishwasher for knives, y'all.
2: No. No, that is Getting a bad... Stink eye from Brandy. Then
0: <laughs> <laughs> you do the dishes.
1: Well, it's just saying, that
0: just don't do that. I don't do that to your hunting knives. Anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Never have.
1: Not mine.
0: Yeah, That's his problem. (laughs) And he should wash them. Leave them out.
1: Leave them out. Yep, they'll get washed.
0: For the month it takes for you to get to them.
1: So those of you guys out there listening, um, put your knives away and don't let your wives put them in the dishwasher. Because if they do put them in the dishwasher, it will be your fault.
2: It's always my fault. I mean, just on principle.
1: So but we got our guns and we got our knives, binos, spotting scope, tripod. What do you take? I typically,
2: binos. Yeah, I typically just take the binos. Um, I might have a spotting scope in the truck, but I typically I'm not packing it.
1: Well, for me, the spotting scope is to decide whether I'm getting out of the truck and making the walk. Right. Um, binoculars are always on me.
2: Right. Um, range finder.
1: Got to have a range finder. I can do the math in the reticle, but I'm lazy. I like the digital readout.
2: Well, the uh, the math and and even the way we teach it, you know, the math is the backup when your batteries die.
1: True. And if you have time.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you don't.
1: Because taking off my shoes to count is not exactly conducive to
0: making that shot. You can't count that high. And it smells funny. That's why I don't do it. Jeez,
1: tough crowd.
2: But you know, and typically, I, and I and I've got a small hunting pack that that goes with me. Um, you had mentioned rope earlier. I I've always got probably at least fifty or a hundred feet of yeah three eighths rope in there.
1: Three eighths. Yeah, that'll probably do most things we get into.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 you know, if you've got the the ability to double it up. And I installed a winch
1: on my truck. Oh. Smart, which has been handy i've had to use it
0: when you put us in the snow sinkhole last year
1: it was invisible with the snow drift i yeah i did that
2: yeah but didn't you disconnect something and it didn't work when you needed it
1: so yeah trying to cross a little ravine um to get on one side of a creek i uh scraped off the ground wire um <laughs> and it didn't work so That was a a back up and go back to the shop and fix your truck kind of thing.
2: Oh, so there's that special pocket in your bag for Murphy.
1: Yes, yes. I I rethought my hunting partner that year because (laughs) she brings Murphy with her every time, and it's always my fault somehow.
2: Yeah. You 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 forgot the knives.
0: That wasn't even that trip. I (laughs) I had a whole
1: toolbox full of knives that trip (laughs) he's got an
0: issue every time we hunt and he always blames me so the very first time he takes me elk hunting he says now i don't want you to be disappointed because sometimes you'll see one sometimes you'll see two sometimes you won't see any at all and i went what about those over there
1: she points to a ravine valley off of black mountain road and there were two thousand head of elk laying down sunning themselves in a place we couldn't get to.
2: Oh, yeah. That's always how it works. There was no
1: access. It was a huge chunk of public land surrounded by private. And the only way in, somebody had gone and taken a backhoe and cut a ditch through it where you, so you couldn't get across it. Mm-hmm. Um, not nice, y'all. Because I sat and watched all day elk I couldn't touch.
0: Well, I found you some more later that day. They were up on the top of the side of the mountain. Again, another place we couldn't go. But you told me I wouldn't see that many elk.
2: I did. Yeah, I, I, I've never seen that many elk. Well, I know. We we went, we went out one day, that was two, three years ago, and uh, we were in the Red Desert. <laughs> and you're pointing at all these little ravines and going, yeah, they're getting that high brush in there, and they just disappear. And Brandy looks out the window. And you mean those? Yeah, you know, the, 200 yards off the road.
1: The 80 head that were running with us alongside the road in the truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she's really a good bird dog.
2: Yeah, she can see them. Well, she can shoot them too. That's true. But uh, no, beyond that, so the so the next thing is going to go in there: uh, med kit.
1: All right, must have a med kit, and I've got one strapped to the headrest of my truck, and one small one that goes in my pack. But yeah, you're right. Med kit's a very, very big must. Um, What about land nav?
2: Well, I've always got a compass. And I, and I typically have a, have a GPS, but I, n- I never go without the compass and the map. Take the compass and um, the map. And, and the reason is, e- even if even if I'm not navigating that way, I'm using the GPS, whatever, but being able to open up a map and, and reference where you are and what's around you um, and, the, and those BLM maps are great because they give you land status. They n- help you to determine where you're at so that you make sure that you're not getting on private land. Um, you know, and that's something else, and especially like right now, everybody listening out there, um, what you, you need to start making phone calls now and getting your permissions from landowners.
1: It's a really good thing to make the polite conversation and ask. A lot of the times, some of these landowners are getting older and they need help throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go move pipe or help them out some way, you're probably a shoe-in for getting some access. Oh, yeah. The Back to land nav for a second, though. I got to tell you, my Onyx chip that goes in my phone
2: mm-hmm.
1: works with GPS. I don't need to have signal. And it has saved me from a lot of potentially really bad discussions. Oh, yeah. Because you'll be driving in the Ranger, and you pull it up and take a look, and you're about to cross into public to private, and you didn't know it was there. Right. And it updates through the GPS on the court records. Mm-hmm. So it, the map's great, but it can be out of date.
2: No, ag- ag- agreed. Um, and and both the the GPSs, that, the branding I use, we have those chips in it that, that have the land status. And and the ones that we have also have the the area maps. So you know when you know, especially if you're hunting on a on a boundary somewhere, you know that you're not crossing that boundary,
1: which is really really important. Because the only thing's worse than having a conversation with a landowner when you're trespassing and you didn't know it, is having the conversation with a game and fish guy when you're out of area and didn't know it. Right.
0: Well, and around here it's important because it quickly goes from BLM to reservation, totally different rules.
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Rules. Yeah, because now you're now you're dealing with feds too. That's right. And tribal councils, and yeah, it it, it becomes a a legal mess really quickly.
1: Bottom line: plan your hunt. Know where you're gonna be, because you're responsible for that information. Mm-hmm.
0: If you don't know the area that well, chances are you know somebody who does. Take them with you the first time.
1: Right. Yeah. If they'll go with you, that's a good idea. A lot of folks don't want to share their hunting spots with you, though. Um,
0: they don't have to, but they can give you landmarks other than the map. You know, this river is your west boundary, and this mountain range is... They can They, they can, can give help you, you out. the You're right. visuals.
1: You're right. They can help you out dramatically. Good idea. What else?
2: Well, I'm going to make sure I've got ammo.
1: That goes with the gun. I've done that. <laughs> I I've done we that. all I have. have. Yep. Hopped out of the track. Uh, wrong, wrong ammo.
2: Mm-hmm. Crap.
1: Make sure you have your tag.
2: Yeah. Tag's a big thing. Make
1: sure you're legal. You're, for folks of our age, that hunter safety card,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's a must. Mm-hmm. Conservation stamp. Yep.
1: If it goes with your license, yes. Feed ground possible as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of legal technicalities. Square that all the I put it in a little waterproof bag mm-hmm. and stuff it in my pack. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where it's at with a pin, so I can, in the field, Properly fill out and separate my tags, carcass tag, landowner's coupon, the whole deal. I do that at the kill site. Yep. I don't do that back at the truck.
2: Nope. Nope. Do it on site. And and I do the same thing. Mine all goes into a Ziploc bag, and it goes in the top pocket of my pack. Mm-hmm. Easy to find. always know where it's at. And, 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 and like my med kit, I make sure that everybody in my hunting party knows where it's at.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it, if, if something were to happen to you. Right. Keys to the truck. hmm Tell somebody else where those are.
2: Oh, we had one of those <laughs> last year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So we had a guy, he walked almost two miles back to the truck, and then he didn't have the keys. He didn't think to ask before we took off walking. Yep. That happened. That
0: happened. <laughs> what about <laughs> snacks?
2: Always have snacks. Right, what, what do you take? Come Elk on.
0: donuts. Gotta have you got to have the looking. fake yep. hostess, that fake chocolate. Because if you don't take those, you don't see elk.
1: It's a superstition with us. And I've, I've proved it a couple times. I didn't take
0: them, and I went home empty-handed that But day. we don't have specific snacks for antelope and deer. Elk well, has always been important. Antelope and deer is whatever we can grab in the gas station. We don't even care. It looks like a convenience store exploded in the back seat.
1: A lot of the times it's gas station food for me because I'm, I'm putting snacks in my bag when I gas up to make sure I don't run out of gas. hmm hmm because um, when I go, I I get off on the two-track and I go. I don't think about what's behind me until you hit that halfway tank and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm more than three-quarters of my way in here. I'm in trouble. No, no. Right. Take, take a gas can. Yep. It's a good idea.
2: You usually have a gas can, shovel, um, uh, chainsaw. Chainsaw. Uh, and and here's the reason why. I, I can't tell you how many times we've gone up. And, and it's a two-track that the only time you go up there is in the fall when you're going to your elk camp or your deer camp or something. And in the middle of the summer or over the previous winter, you've got a deadfall across the road.
0: Okay, so not everybody hunts like us. So some of that stuff is going to be unrealistic because you are actually packing you're backpacking in, like our sheep hunters. Oh, agreed. That's they're right. backpacking, so you're obviously not going to take all this stuff.
1: Well, then the other side of it, you got the whitetail guys that they climb into a stand mm-hmm. on a piece of ground that they either have leased or they own, um, and their that truck thing, thing that has that a mini
0: away. fridge. They don't care.
1: There are some like that. You're absolutely right.
2: Well, we usually have a cooler in the back of the truck or the back of the Ranger, or you know, so you've got to have you got to have cold drinks. You got to have you got to have your beer for the after celebration. But one thing I will take, and in hunting is is the only time I think I will ever take a thermos with coffee. And 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 the reason for that is, I mean, typically you're you're leaving. Of course, you're usually leaving well before daylight. Um, you get that first good cup of coffee when you leave, but you might be you might find a place where you're sitting for several hours glassing and waiting, and having that cup of coffee to keep you awake coffee's
1: a must i used to take two
0: we used to take peppermint peppermint schnapps when i was a kid
2: well that was just to keep you to shut up
1: well a lot of times the parents let kids get into the peppermint schnapps they turn a blind eye to it so the kids nap later
2: that too
0: nah
1: (laughs) brandy likes being in the out just a little bit so she doesn't nap
2: no no and and uh for those of you who are, whose hunt requires it, make sure you've got your orange. Um, I think where we're at, you know, we, where you're required to have like 10 square inches or something like that. It's yeah.
0: it's orange or that uh, hot fluorescent pink as yeah, well now. Yeah, the
2: chartreuse, I think is what Whatever. they call it. Whatever. Don't use
0: words you can't spell. Hey.
2: Not my fault that you guys invented it. That is a
0: totally gay word. I don't want to hear that out of your mouth. It's pink. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: so funny. Chartreuse is green, <laughs> and not legal in Wyoming, by the way. You can have orange, and you can have pink, but Chartreuse is not Okay, now that's on the even list. more
0: gay because he knows what color it is.
1: Hey, heterosexual male here, good with colors. Went to art school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Has painted once or twice, um, but yeah, I was I I always I got my orange hat. Um, make sure you don't get shot, um, and. I, you know, oddly enough, I was, in, at least in in my vehicle, I've got things that, you know, I, I, I take blankets, I take extra heavy clothing, you know, I've got heavy gloves, like leather gloves, work gloves, um, and actually the work gloves go in my bag. Uh, because once you get an animal down, work gloves is kind of the way to go.
1: They are handy. I very rarely have them, but they are handy. I've been envious of your work gloves a couple times.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> I don't want—I don't want to ruin my good hunting gloves on rope.
1: No, actually, I—we were hiking one time. Um, I think it was on our desert, desert hunt, and I told Randy that if you went down, I was just going to stab you and take your gloves. Okay. Because they were going to be handy. Yeah. You, you were no longer
2: going to be handy at that point. Well, hey, isn't that the deal? That if you die, we split your gear. That is the deal. I mean.
0: Well, we have to be careful because, you know, with bears and stuff, it's illegal to bait unless you paid for your bait site. <laughs> <laughs> she has a point.
1: She doesn't get, But we're talking about grizzlies, not blacks.
0: Never know what you might find. That's true. We already have elk coming down off the mountain this early.
2: I did see that.
0: We've we've been by a bear diversion dam.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid this winter is going to be a little bit of a... A rodeo? Call it sporty?
2: It might be. Um, I know Farmer's Almanac is talking 1st of September. We're going to see snow.
1: Which adds get to the gear list. Mm-hmm. Cold weather gear. Emergency warm gear.
2: Right. Put it in the truck. Oh, yeah. that Well, that just lives there. But mm-hmm.
0: that doesn't always work when one said person goes out elk hunting in a whiteout and can't find his white truck in the whiteout. No, I've done that
1: i done that. So the trick is you don't stop. You just keep moving. And we did walk by the four-wheelers twice.
2: Yeah. So a habit I got into, because I've i done something similar, um, whenever we get out and go walk, I always drop a pin in my GPS of where the vehicle is.
1: Didn't help me.
2: Really? Yeah. I, it was that wide
1: out. You couldn't see four feet in front of you. Okay. The guy that I was with... Um, he lost my tracks following me. Okay. Yeah, it was it was true Wyoming winter.
2: And 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 be prepared for that because it, weather does move in that that fast.
1: Yep. And once he found me again because I stopped and he ran into the back of me, um, we took a ratchet trap and linked off like you would if you were on the North Pole. Um, we weren't getting separated again. Right. And in a 12 foot ratchet strap you couldn't see each other
2: yeah been in that not fun yeah
1: but it's one of those things that sneaks in on you when we went out hunting it was a nice sunny kind of moody day and in two hours it just, it clouded up set in fog started and snow started and we were four hours from the truck when we realized that we probably had to come off the hill
2: now this year and I, I, I'm going to try something because I, I built this last year, and what it it's a uh, I don't even know what you what you, essentially it's a boom that slides into the receiver hitch of my truck, so I can hang an animal to skin it and clean it.
1: You made a mobile gambrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be handy as heck. Um, are you coming on the antelope hunt with us? I'm going to try to. Okay. If you do bring that, that's going to be handy as heck.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my plan. I, I I need to pull it out because I think I need to drill some holes and do a few yeah. other things.
1: Having another way to lift an animal up to while you're doing skinning is very handy. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, usually we have them take it back to the fire hall where we have a backhoe.
1: And and to that, um, an extra bottle of water or two and some wet wipes because you're going to get messy. If you if you are successful, you're going to get messy. Mm-hmm. Ways to make fire. I always bring. Um, some waterproof matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take a thing of steel wool and a nine-volt battery. Handy. Light things you can pack, right? Because right? um, if you actually have to make heat somewhere, it's better to have that stuff than have it be in the truck.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about heavy-duty clothing. Um, my hearts live in my truck year-round because this is Wyoming. What do you, you know, what are you typically wearing when you're going hunting?
1: I used to get into the the, the Gucci camo. I like the sick gear. And at the end of the day, I have been hunting enough to recognize that the animals just don't care. Unless you're doing like a bow hunt type of deal where you're getting that close and then attempting to be right up there personal with them. Mm-hmm. In a rifle situation, it really doesn't matter. I don't like cotton because it absorbs water. Sure. Um, I don't necessarily like wool because it gets heavy, mm-hmm. but noisy clothing I don't like. And it's just it's a personal thing. It's not that I'm giving myself away in a rival situation. But I want to be warm. I want to be comfortable, and I'll dress in layers because inevitably you climb out of the truck, and it's dark, and it's frosty. It's cold. You get in the Ranger, you get really cold because I don't have a cab on mine. And uh, you get out, and you... Walk two, three hundred yards and now you're hot. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta shed a layer. Because the last thing you wanna do is get all sweaty and then get cold again. That's how hypothermia starts. Right. So I dress in layers, it's technical fabrics. I don't necessarily get into all the camos, but um, they make good clothing. Yeah. Um, there's a large selection of clothing out there now that is very good at layering.
2: Right. So. so typically, I'll, I'll I'll layer fairly light, um, and then like you said, you know, you climb out and you jump on a ranger or a four wheeler or something like that, and you are going to get crazy cold because you are not moving and you are in lighter clothes. So what I what I did was I went and just not even an expensive pair, uh, but it, like just great big insulated coveralls I throw on when I am on a via you know on a ranger or on a four wheeler, and then when I when we get off and go walk, I just shed that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, and it seemed just about right.
1: Yeah, it, in the Ranger, we've, we've taken to taken a like a moving blanket. Mm-hmm. You can cover up your legs, and you get underneath it, and it actually works quite well.
2: Yep. So, uh, what what kind of knives are you taking?
1: I have a little kit from Fremont Knives. It's called the Hunter's Toolkit, mm-hmm. and it's all I take. It's really all I need. Um, it has Slim Jim and Fatty in it. Um, slim is... A little bitty caping knife, sharp, pointy. Um, Jim is a, an up knife. Well, I mean what that means is it's got a really dull tip, and it's curved. And when you press that knife through hide, it opens up like a zipper. Okay. And um, Fatty is a Skinner blade. It's wide, got a big belly. But these are really thin. They're They're skeletonized out. There's no real handle or rubber or wood or anything like that on it. Um, and they come in a nice little pouch that I can put in a cargo pant and go.
2: Well, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, you talk to guys, and especially hunters, and they are as passionate about the knives that they use as they are about the firearm or the bow that they use to go hunt with. Um, and I, I know the kit you're talking about. I have the same one. Um, I also have got, you know, the the one that I use the most, It's I, I think it's a buck. I've had it for years. It's, just, it's a fat blade, got a nice curve to it, and it, for skinning, it just works. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I know the knife you're talking about. It's a great knife to carry. And if you had to pick one, that might be a
2: knife. That'd probably be the one. Right. Um, just the right size, about four and a half inches, fixed blade.
1: I got into a kick a while back and, I, I went and learned how to make a Damascus blade. And I made this beautiful little hunter that I took one time. Used it because there's it a lot of work putting that blade together, and I've never taken it since. It's too pretty. And it requires a lot of care. You okay. rinse it, wash it, you have to oil it, sharpen it, and then oil it again, and then put it up all nice and careful. Otherwise, it will rust on you. Yeah. The yeah. ones I take are stainless. Stainless. Something that, and I can be lazy, and not get right to cleaning my knives, and they don't damage up.
2: So, uh, when you're getting ready to go, um, I know a lot of guys that they have their dedicated hunting rifle, or you know, it, they may just be strictly a hunter, and they're going to pull this rifle out of the out of the gun case a week before they go and go sight it in, um, it, you know, just to make sure it's still got zero. And a lot of the and, and I know guys that they haven't re-zeroed their rifle in twenty years, but they'll go out every year and they'll put five rounds on paper just to be sure.
1: Now it's a good plan. I have been with hunters that they attempted to zero their rifle on the way to the hunt. Um, Daylight breaks and they find a rock to hit and let the whole world know they're there because they're not running suppressed. And if they hit this rock the size of a basketball at 300 yards, they're good. Um, I'm not that guy. Hmm. I'll go to the range and make sure that, one, I'm comfortable with it and it still shoots the way I expect it to. Um, I passionate about not pointing a weapon at an animal that I intend to harvest with a piece of equipment that I haven't personally proven.
2: So, ammunition choices. Mm. There are thousands of them out there.
1: There are. Um, Stay away from match bullets. While they fly really good on the range, they are not made for the the terminal Mm. portion of the, the job. You want a bonded bullet, mm-hmm. something that's got some weight to it. Um, the all-copper ones from Barnes make a great hunting bullet. This terminal ascent one that we've been using for a couple of years now from Federal is amazing. Um, it has a tip on it. It expands, dumps all the energy in the animal. Um, and it, It's an ethical kill at that point. Mm-hmm. But it, you want a bullet to kind of fly right out of your gun, too. So right. that's that's critical.
2: Right. And, and, and I know... Uh, uh Sierra makes those, I, I think they call it the Game King, and and those have been a really good bullet, and, and those are tried and true. They're, I think that bullet design is 60 years old at this point.
1: It is, and it, it it's quite amazing that they improved upon it uh, about six, eight years ago, and that bullet has never let Brandy down. That's what she shoots out of the 7mm 08. It expands, it does its job, it flies right, it retains... Most of its energy and mass in the animal, mm-hmm. um, it's, it just performs.
2: Now you said you're shooting the the six five PRC. What what ammo are you going out with?
1: I have got terminal ascent from Federal is what I'll be going out with, and I'll be running a hundred and thirty grain okay. projectile out of that, running about thirty one fifty. Yeah, that's screaming. Yeah, it's fast.
2: I think I like like I said, I think I'm running a hundred and sixty five grain. It's uh it's it's an old Remington round. It's their uh ballistic tip.
1: Is that the tan tip? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good bullet. It's a bonded bullet. It uh, retains most of its energy.
2: It's it, like I said, it, in the last thirty years it's it's dropped everything I've pointed it at. Right. So um I'm I'm curious with this new build to see how this is gonna work out. I'm I'm like to try and take this thing to the range here in the next week or so and we can get that done. Get it dialed in. Yep.
0: Countdown. Three weeks. I know. Well, that's antelope. We uh we donated our antelope tags to vet healing adventures, but uh deer's right around the corner.
2: So yeah, so you guys got vet healing adventures coming up here in three weeks.
1: We do. Um how many vets do we have, Brandy, coming out?
0: You have twenty three antelope, two deer, and two elk.
1: Outstanding. And so we've got a little community out here, um Lysite, Wyoming. It is squarely just east of the middle of nowhere. And that whole entire ranching community pulls together and throws an event for these disabled vets. They house them, and we feed them, and they all donate their tags to them. Um, We get Quilts of Valor out to make them remember that we do care just a little bit. And it's a great time to watch these guys come and let their daily go, slip away for a little bit, make some new friendships, find a reason to... Avoid becoming one of the twenty two a day that we see is a statistic mm-hmm. um I'm very passionate about helping those guys out i get I'm lucky enough to be able to be part of this deal
2: yeah well, and and we are too and and it's an it's an honor to be a part of it i mean, last year we brandy, you and I housed what three or four hunters
0: we did we did three but the plus one with a wife on one of them.
1: And the organization is completely 501c3, run off of volunteers, run off of donations. Um, We keep the cost down so we're able to do the maximum we can for the vets. Sometimes we bring them out with some travel expenses. Sometimes we don't need to. A lot of the vets don't necessarily ask for that because they're coming on a free hunt. Right. Um, But there is a donation section on that website. If you go to VetHealingAdventures.org, reach out and... Any little itty bit helps. It's amazing how far we can make a dollar stretch these days.
2: Well, and, and, and that's just it. You know, a lot of people, they they, they want to contribute to something like that, and they're like, oh, I've, only, I've only got $5 to give. But you know what? If you and 100 of your friends all donated $5, that adds up quick.
1: It does add up quick, and, and that actually fully takes care of a vet mm-hmm. for the season. Mm-hmm.
0: So our website has, for some reason when it was set up, it's got, monetary donations already it does say in there that it's something that you don't see listed that you can contact us as well
1: there's some there's some pre-built amounts in there that makes it easy
0: but there's not a put your own in right no
1: no it's one of those things if, if there's something there that's not listed reach out to us we'll make it work
2: So give us that website one more time. It's
1: vethealingadventures.org. Perfect. All together as if it's one word.
2: Perfect. Go there, donate, feel good about yourself. Now, uh, before we get out of here, there's one more thing I want to touch on, and this is something that you need to pre-plan before you go hunt, is what are you going to do when you get that animal down?
1: Well, caring for that meat is a huge responsibility Because you've spent all this time, money, and effort to go out and chase that animal. And that's the fun piece. Once you put it down, the work begins. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't let it get hot. Keep it out of the dirt and the dust. And if you can, find a really cool place, preferably a walk-in cooler, to let it hang and let it age for a few days. Um, Depending on the species, we've got it kind of down to a science. And we butcher our own. um, And we've been feeding our families for... Almost twenty years now, with just wild game, mm-hmm. uh, but you've got to take care of the meat very carefully because it's irresponsible not to
2: right right and 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 look at look at different organizations in your area if you're if you're one of the if, if you're going to go out and you're going to go trophy hunt, nothing against it, but um, look look for a charity to donate that meat to
1: there's a bunch there's always a family or two in that local area in need
2: mm. Mm-hmm. So have a game plan before you go out of what you're going to do with that animal. And, and be prepared to, when you get it down. You know we've, we've had a few years, the probably the past five or six years, where even going on an elk hunt in October, it's hot. It can be. Um, and it's, you get the animal down, and it's get it to a cooler now.
1: Antelope's even worse. Mm -hmm. It's a lot warmer in that time frame.
0: With antelope, we usually take a couple bags of ice to put in the cavity. Mm -hmm.
1: We ice it down in the truck on the way back in Mm -hmm. just to keep it from spoiling. Because a lot of times it's 80 plus degrees in that time in September. Um, If you don't know of the area you're in, if anybody's in need, the local game and fish groups, they know exactly who needs the meat. And you can reach out to them and they would greatly appreciate the gift
2: well and 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 even if you don't want to process it talk talk to your local processors, too, because a lot of times um, they'll go ahead and process it and and they may keep a portion of it to sell for themselves just to cover their costs, but they'll go ahead and process it and donate it for you
1: Not a lot of processors do that you're right
2: so um, have a game plan hunting season's coming up get your stuff together and and go out and practice a little bit don't you know it, it It's kind of incumbent to make that ethical kill, and it's worth going and spending a box of ammo at the range and making sure everything's right.
1: If you're going to an environment that might be higher elevation than you're used to, and you think you might be on a hunt that's going to be physically demanding, get in shape before you go. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Nobody wants to be behind the guy that just can't breathe.
2: Right. Right. And then all the animals are going to hear you coming, too. (laughs) Um. Wheezy. (laughs) Wheezy. So, yeah, uh, if you're not ready to go, now is the time to start getting there. Um, you know, I, I, I hope everybody goes out and has a great hunt this year. And I guess if you don't, you just get to go play him the gun.